You're listening to the Mind Your Business Podcast, episode number 282. Today, I'm speaking with Natalie Jill on the power of surrender and letting go of limiting beliefs. So, stay tuned. Hi, I'm James Wedmore, and I've built a multiple seven-figure internet business that offers the financial freedom to do what I want, when I want. And I'm the first to say that hard work and hustle are not essential ingredients for your success. So, how do you build a thriving business from the inside out? Now, with over 3 million downloads, this is the Mind Your Business Podcast. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? James Wedmore here. Thank you so much for tuning in to a Monday edition here on the Mind Your Business Podcast. Hope you are doing fantastic today. I've got a very special interview in store for you. It's my good friend, Natalie Jill. Now, if you don't know Natalie, you've probably been living under a rock for some time because she is someone who has been in this space for a long time, had several successful online businesses, and has been like followed by millions and millions of people. Her numbers are impressive. But just in case you don't know, she's a fat loss expert turned high performance coach. She helps women age in reverse, one of her brand new books, and helps them to level up their lives. And today at age 47, she herself has rebuilt and created everything from nothing three times over. And today in this episode, we're going to talk about that, her reinventions and the failures and struggles that she's went through. And she's a great example of someone who, if you do know her from the outside looking in, you see someone with all these followers and you say, oh, everything must just always be perfect and rosy all the time. And then, of course, you learn more of the truth. And Natalie did such an unbelievable job of opening up and being so authentic and transparent for you guys here to share what she has gone through in her entrepreneurial journey since she started years and years ago. She brings in a really fantastic acronym that I just loved. She says, uh, cutting the fat, fat as in F-A-T, false assumed truths, which you know I am a big fan of. These lies, these beliefs that we tell ourselves about who we are, who we think we are, who we're not, who we're supposed to be, what we think people need us to be, you know, hint, hint, and how to really begin to challenge those false assumed truths and release them from our lives so we can be truly authentic and fully self-expressed. She also talks about the power of surrender, you know, when these times happen in our lives and what it really means to surrender is so good. Such a fantastic conversation. I cannot wait for you guys to dive in to this episode. Really quick update for you guys. Today, if you're listening to this on the day we've released this episode, August 5th, Today is the official time, very important announcement, that we have opened enrollment for the 2019 class of Business by Design. This is the one time of the year that we are doing any type of launch like this for my signature program, Business by Design, which helps anyone who is a personal brand influencer, you're an expert, coach, author, speaker, build a profitable leveraged online business around your sold out programs, your digital products, your coaching, group coaching, even live events. And as you've learned by now with over 270 episodes, we have a bit of a 
hashtag backwards different approach to online business. And so if you haven't watched our free series, now is the time to do that. Businessbydesign.net. Check it out and make sure if you are feeling the nudge or the pull to learn more about Business by Design that you do it now because doors will close for good. August 8th, just a few days away. And I just wanted to give a shout out to everybody who has been watching the free series, participating in our free group, the feedback, the comments, everything is unbelievable. This is what my team and I have been working towards all year, and it's just so exciting to see it pay off. It's so exciting to see your breakthroughs, the value, the insights, the ahas, and um, what's going to come from that, You know, where you're going to be six months from now, a year from now from learning and implementing all this information. So I just wanted to give a huge shout out to all you guys. You know who you are and thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Okay, so let's get right into this fantastic interview with Natalie Jill right now. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I'm here with my friend, Natalie Jill. Natalie, how are you? I'm great. I'm so excited to chat with you today. I am really excited as well. I think this is going to be a great uh, episode. It's an opportunity for my listeners to get to know you at a deeper level. Let's see. We first connected now four years ago. Yeah. I met you through Shaleen several years ago at one of her events. We were talking and, if I, and I learned that I introduced you to a lot of people uh, that now say that I am the one who introduced you to you. And I didn't even remember that. Yeah. Well, thank you for yeah. doing that. I really yeah. that. So let's go ahead and just kind of like start at the beginning. If you could just, for anybody sure. who doesn't know you, that's the three people that don't, if you could just share a little okay. bit about you know, what you're about, your business, who you help and and how you help them. Yeah. Yeah. So, right. So if someone says, what do I do? If I meet somebody at a party and they're like, what do you do? I always love that question. My answer is that I kill fat. And when I say I kill fat for a living, people assume that's the fat on our bodies, which that's a big part of what I do. But really what that is, is I kill what I call false assumed truths. And those are those things that hold people back from achieving goals in their life, whether that's with their body or their business or their finances, anything. It's those belief systems that seem to run our lives. Wow. Okay. So first of all, that's the coolest acronym for. Yay. Thank you. Heard. So I just want to, let's go there for a second. Yeah. Assumed truths. Yeah. I love this because, um, you know, I, I just see a lot of like beliefs that I've had to let go. I'm, I'm really fascinated by the concept of beliefs in our belief system. And it's very funny because that's how I associate it with this is like, well, we don't really have a relationship with a belief as a belief. It really feels like a truth. Yeah, it does. And that's why it's false because it's, we all operate from a place of making up stories from whatever our experiences have been. And it's so funny because a a different person could have had that same situation happen to them and they have a very different story about it. And those things totally define us and they stop us in our life. What are, um, you know, you've been in this game for a long time. When did you, when did you first start like online? So I first started online accidentally about 12 years ago. And I'll say what I mean, I'll explain what I mean there. I had just had my daughter. I was a, a new single mom. I was going through a divorce. I just had my daughter and this is back 2007, 2008. Remember what was going on then the stock market, the housing market, a lot of things were going wrong in the economy. And I was right smack in the middle of that. And what was unique to me about that time, which I know everybody, a lot of people were going through a struggle was that I had been living in this world of a fake identity. And what I mean by that is I had checked off the list and done all the things I was supposed to do. I had gone to college. I had had the corporate job. I had the house with a white picket fence, gotten married, had two dogs, having the baby. I, I did all the checklist things. 
but I wasn't happy and nothing seemed to be working. Like all of a sudden, everything I knew that I had done to be in a good place was falling apart around me. The divorce, my income, my body, everything. And I found myself really scared, really rock bottom, really down thinking my life was over. And I was only 35 years old, really just thinking like, what did I do wrong? I don't. And the worst part about it was I felt like it was a false assumed truth, but I felt like I couldn't talk to anybody about it because I had lived this facade of this perfect life. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to ask. I feel, by the way, I feel like this is such a common theme, right? With some yeah. people, they have the, the society's expectations of what success and happy is. And then you, you work so hard. I'm sure you worked mm-hmm. hard for it, right? I, I did. Did all yeah. the things. And then I you did all the things. Yeah. That can be pretty scary on top of it because you're like, wait a second, this is what I thought the formula to success was. I did it. And it's, it's not giving me what I want. And what was interesting is, and this word comes back to me years later, I didn't really understand at the time, but it forced me in a place of surrender, the word surrender, where I didn't have anywhere else to turn. I was so in the bottom that I had no choice but to fully be vulnerable and be myself because things were just really bad. So my business started because I went on Facebook, which had maybe a hundred high school friends at the time. (laughs) And I went on Facebook and I just said, hey, this is the place I'm in. I'm feeling terrible about myself, but I'm going to start really dialing into my diet because that's one thing I can control and my body. Like I'm going to start dialing into getting myself healthy and I'm going to share here for accountability. And that's really how I started. Now I had a hundred friends from high school on there. That was it. But what was great, that was my first taste of just truly being vulnerable and being real and being authentic and sharing something without an agenda other than I just want to know, know like, Oh, and this is going to be a multi-million dollar business. No idea. No idea that that's where it was going. So it really started by accident. That's how it began. I love that. Cause that's a common theme. I actually hear from a lot of successful Mm -hmm. people. It was like, it wasn't that our initial intention. It's just, it's accidental entrepreneurship. Yeah. Um, yeah. how, how do you define surrender? Cause I, I love that word. I feel like. It's so- yeah. So it's, it's my definition now is different than I would have then. Then I would have thought surrender meant just give up. I'm like I'm done. Yeah. I give up. Mercy. Most people's first impression of the word. Is- yes. But with so many lessons that have happened for me over the last years, several years, I really look at it different. Surrender is a place of getting back to who you truly are and being fully present as you, your authentic self and being in the moment, like fully being present in the moment without an agenda, without trying to figure it out, without trying to solve it, just fully being aware and present of where you are right now. That's how I would define it now. Yeah. That's so beautiful. I hope we can come back to that because I just think that's so powerful. Okay. So looking at fat, false assumed truths, where do you really feel like, I know you already mentioned one when you accidentally started your business, but where do you, where do you feel like you started first identifying the fat in uh, your life? So I identify it growing up. I had, I was the most confident person. I always believed anything was possible. And I'm really fortunate that I had two parents that also believed anything was possible for me. So I, I lived in a weird world of like, anything's possible. Like I could do or be or create anything that I want. And I always believed that. So my first experience of false assumed truths was the rest of the world. So, so my parents would say, yes, Natalie, you're amazing. You could do anything. But the rest of the world was not telling me that I had teachers telling me that I wasn't paying attention. I was tuning out that I'd be smart if I focused more. I had all, you know, you're too short to do this. You're too old to do that. It was my whole life of watching the world tell me what I couldn't do. And those moments of almost wanting to buy into it and thinking, are they right? And really noticing, I always observed that how other people would stop going for things because of that. So I had it, I was very good at 
recognizing that people were putting that on me. But what I wasn't aware were the ones I was truly taking on. Like I believed that I couldn't be an entrepreneur. Like I had to have a corporate job because that was safety. That was security. I believed that because also my parents told me that. And that's what I believed to be true. Well, if you don't mind my asking, what was your career or like out yeah, of college, always, you go right and get a job or so it's so funny I, I had heard um this is back I graduated high school in 89 so when I was in college in the early 90s I heard that medical sales reps make a hundred thousand dollars a year and I thought to me that was like jackpot I can make a hundred thousand a year so I decided my vision then was I was going to be a medical rep so I went into medical device sales and I ended up being a sales director and moving up that ladder being a sales trainer but always in that world mm-hmm. in corporate how did that turn out? Were you, were you like immediately disenchanted with that or did you? No, I always was really good at creating everything from nothing with that. Like I would find little creative ways to sell. In fact, I wanted to be a medical rep so bad and no one would hire me because my grades were terrible and my GPA was very average and I didn't have those things. So it's like, I found something relatable, like, Oh, I'll work for a dental lab. And then I would position that to get the next job. So I was really good at going somewhere and then building that up to get the next thing. And it was something that really served me well. But what I found was that I hated what I was doing with that. Like I loved the interaction with people. I loved helping solve problems, but I hated what I was selling. I didn't care about it. I just didn't care. And I have to imagine that you learned some skills there that... Yes. In your business. See, the funniest thing that the best skill set I ever learned was the one job I had outside of medical to learn more sales. And that was selling corrugated boxes of all things. And I was, I was literally selling corrugated boxes and I would go door to door with in warehouses, you know, and sell them my corrugated boxes. And I would go back into this office every day. You had to be back in the office every single day. And I would sit down with my manager at the time and I would try to get pricing for the client. And my manager would ask me 5 million questions about the client. Like, what do they want them for? How are they going to use them? How big? How, like so many questions he would drill me that I learned never to leave a client or a prospect without having every single possible answer to a question that might come up. And that is seriously what taught me sales training and how to run a business is I got very good at questions. Wow. That's awesome. Well, let's go back to, um, all right. You started sharing after you surrendered, uh, mm-hmm. you started sharing just like real vulnerably with your hundred friends on Facebook. Yeah. When did something like, when was the first moment where like an idea, a light bulb popped into like, this is actually continuing. totally. So I started, I was posting food a lot. I was posting pictures from my Blackberry phone of food. What year is this now? This is 2007, 2008? So uh, probably a little bit after that. If I okay. really, so my daughter, cause she was 12 you know, now. So I just go back to when she was born, what I was going through. So a few years after that posting food and people were really interested in it. And they're like, these recipes are really great. So I'm starting to get a little bit of a following just based on these, these food recipes. So somebody wrote and said, you should make a recipe book. I would buy it. I was like, I wouldn't even know how to make a recipe book. And then someone said, make an ebook. And I remember Googling James, what is an ebook? I had no idea. So I Googled what's an ebook. I figured out it's an electric file of a book. So I took my Blackberry phone pictures. I put them on a word document and I created, turned that into a PDF and I posted on Facebook and I said, I have an ebook. It's 10 and I did it manually. Literally, somebody would send me an email. I want to buy your book. I'd send them a PayPal link and then they would pay it and I'd send them the file. And that's what started my business. That I is nothing. amazing. I, yeah. I love that, especially as you like fast forward today with all the technology totally. apps, the software that we have today. And like, that's what we were doing back then. It yes. Send me an email and I'll figure out how to 
get money from you. Yes. So I did that. And then as my body started changing, I started getting really fit. People wanted to know how I was eating to make my body look like that. So I decided to make another ebook and I sat down over a weekend and I now at this time had a boyfriend who's now my husband. And I said, I was going to make a, an ebook called seven day jumpstart. And he said to me, what do you have? That's so unique. Like no one's going to buy that. There's a million ebooks. Like he was giving me all the false assumed truths. And I said, I don't know anything about what you're talking about, but I just know that people want my information and I'm going to do this. So I wrote what's now my seven day jumpstart. I wrote it on a weekend. I didn't even proofread it. I didn't know what the heck I was doing. I put it online and it took off James. That one product turned into $3 million. It was crazy. No way. Yes. Yes. And how much yeah. are you selling that thing for? So I was selling it for $35 and it started very similar to the recipe book. I'd put it on I'd get an email. We'd send the file, but then it was like, I was getting 20, 30, 40 emails a day. So my now husband, he saw this working. So he decided to show me how to make this automated. He figured out we use something called get TPD at the time that was would deliver files for you. We set up like the PayPal. I didn't do any sales page, no Facebook ads. I didn't know what I was doing, but what I did do right was every time someone would message me and say, wow, your seven day jumpstart changed my life. Like I feel great. I'm not bloated. I lost weight, whatever they would say. I would say, congratulations. Can I screenshot and share this with others? It would motivate them. And people would say, yes. So I would screenshot and say, oh my gosh, you all look, James just sent me this. This is so incredible. And I'd say, who is next? And that started going viral because people were sharing everybody's success stories. Yeah. Where were you doing this though? Like, was there even Facebook group? Back? Yeah. No Facebook group, no Facebook ads. I had a Facebook page and at, at the peak, my Facebook page, I think got to the 5,000 friend maximum. So it wasn't millions of people. That's why it's always funny when someone says, Oh, you need millions of people. I didn't have millions of people. I had like my 5,000 people and not everyone was seeing the stuff. That is amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. You've gone on to. Yeah. Uh, that's how it started. It's how it started. I knew nothing about, I and mean, people would email us like, Hey, can we help with your sales page? And I remember my husband and I would think that was so cheesy. Like who writes sales pages? That's so cheesy. Like, no. <laughs> what a waste of time. Yeah. Yeah. We didn't <laughs> know. PayPal link. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. But, and I also know that you've dealt with a lot of like hardships and so many, it seems to be a theme. Now I just say, bring it on. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's my business. I, I know some businesses start like here and go way up. Mine has never been like that. Mine's been like this the whole time. And, and if, so, you guys, if you can't see her, yeah. it's, it's a roller coaster. Up and down. It's a total roller coaster. And each tank is like worse than the last. And I feel like now when it starts coming, I'm like, okay, I'm just like, I'm holding on for the ride. I'm like, there's a lesson coming in here. Yeah. And it's really, it's really been an interesting theme. I look at my business and anytime it's working, it's because I'm being truly me. I'm walking people through something I'm going through or just recently went through. I'm being authentic and really connecting with my audience, telling them the truth. That's the thing, telling them the truth. And I'm giving them a a simple solution to that same problem. That's what's always worked. What's not worked for my business is when I try to get out of those things. If I'm, if I'm thinking, I don't need to connect with people or um, somebody knows how to write this better than me, or maybe I should be creating this product because someone else on Instagram is doing it. Whenever I get away from what I truly know and I'm in, that has not worked for me. Yeah. But let's just, cause I'm curious. Why do you yeah. think this? I think it's a, it's a competitive thing or a, je- a jealousy thing. Maybe, you know, you're scrolling, you see what somebody else is doing. You think that they know better or they, maybe they've got something. And then if I really were to take a deep dive, look, I think a lot of things come from our childhood and I went, go back to being told as a kid, I wasn't smart enough or by teachers or I'm ADD or whatever it was. So I'm always thinking someone's smarter than me. So, oh, so that's, that's what was causing you to go, Oh, let me go not 
be in alignment. Let me go do what other people are doing. Yes. So for instance, like my jumpstart stopped working and then I, you know, kept creating new products from there. But then all of a sudden people that I thought were smarter than me saying, Oh, you really should do it this way. Or you should do that. That's what never worked for me when it got away from what I knew to be true. And what I know is working, yeah. it would, it would hurt me. Why do you think? Cause I just, just out of curiosity. Yeah when you're not doing something that's in alignment, that's not true to you and authentic with you, it doesn't work. I think there's a whole side of passion and belief behind it that people can feel. And it just doesn't come. And it's funny because I force things sometimes that I thought I really did believe in and they're not working. They're not working. And then when I really step back, I say, okay, I get why it's not working. It's not what I'm supposed to be doing right now. Mm. It's not what I'm walking through anymore. Can you take us through just to give us an example, like one of your biggest hardships. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Okay. So about a year and a half ago was my biggest hardship. And um, this is right before you and I really started connecting. Before you get into it, uh-huh. I think that's really important because like a year and a half ago, you're like nine, 10 years into this. Yeah. And I yeah, think yeah. a big misconception people think is like, well, once you, I'm sure once you made that money, you know, it's like all your no. problems go away. It's happily ever after. And it's like, no, it's no. different problems. So from the outside about a year and a half ago, anyone that didn't know me would have looked and thought I was just killing it. Like she's got a huge social media following. She's a lot of traditional PR. She has a best-selling book. Like I had all these things that looked like they were working for me. And it was very much an image thing. It looked like it was working. What people didn't know, uh, the secret I was hiding was that, yes, I was bringing in a lot of revenue and there was a lot of noise, but I wasn't profitable at all. I was losing money. And not only was I losing money, I was throwing money at people and ideas to fix it. And it was just making the whole worse. So I was severely going into debt. Like, and it didn't matter how much money my business was bringing in. I was throwing it away. And the story I kept making up was, I don't want to look at the numbers. I I just want to create, I want to do this. I like, didn't even want to look at how bad it was. So I, I was really living in the clouds about, I just need to stay in a place of creating. And it wasn't until it really got bad. And my husband was an interruption for me. Like, Hey, you need to really look at this. And cause I had to go through this. You're just, you know, you're just giving me facts cause you don't want me to go for my dream or, you know, it was, I had to go through this whole, uh, story I was making up with him. But when I actually really looked at the numbers and it hit me how much money I was throwing away and how much money I was spending on the wrong people, the wrong ideas and losing money, I went into a depression. It was like for the first time really seeing it, like, oh my gosh. And I went back to that feeling of, oh my gosh, I feel like a fraud. I feel like I'm fake. Like, how can I, how can I even create right now? So I went into my own personal funk. So that's, this is an example of a rock bottom because I stayed there for a little while. Like I, I wanted to be, I wanted to hide. I thought about, I had this idea like, oh, I'm going to write a book why I quit social media. Like I just had all these things, but I just wanted to be in hiding. I just didn't want to, to face the music. So at that moment, what occurred to me was how in the world do people create when they're in the spot? Like how do they create and level up their life when they're in a spot of nothing's working? So in that moment, I started searching on podcasts to find stories and I couldn't find stories that were really helping me. I either hear the host talking over the person or they weren't asking the real questions I wanted. So I decided to start my own podcast and start interviewing people so I could learn that. So, which now my podcast is doing amazing. And it's funny because you look back, that's an example of something was really not working for me. And instead of you know, just completely quitting. I said, I'm going to dive into this and learn and I'm going to share. And that was an example of something else that worked when I was being real and sharing what I was walking through. Yes. And I feel like this is also a common 
story or theme that happens to entrepreneurs when they hit a certain level of success. Cause I had something very similar. It was about four yeah. years ago. And I, when I got the call from my CPA, they said, Hey, congratulations. You had the biggest income month on a non launching month that you've ever had, but I have some bad news. Okay. What's the bad news? Uh, your expenses were higher. Yeah. And that same thing, I was throwing the money yeah. out and I'm like, I just want to do my thing. And I didn't want to look at the numbers and same exact thing. Yeah. Good came out of that rock bottom. I mean, for me, I had a deep fear. Like this is the beginning to the end. I don't, did you feel like that? Dad, you feel like this is it? Like, yeah, I, I have that conversation with myself a lot. Like this is it. But then I, what I have to do is give myself some space and surrender to it and then start looking at things differently because there's always a lesson in that. And part of what was getting into that was I was not really pushing my passion anymore. You know, I was like totally trying to outsource things and it was, it was forcing me to a place of that. So I could, realize and look like, Hey, what is your passion? What do you want to focus on? And so what was born out of that was the podcast. That was one of the things. And then, and then even more really moving into a place of developing this whole brand towards aging in reverse and a whole movement that I, I'm really working with there versus just like, how do you have six pack of abs? Like that wasn't serving me anymore. So, and that was a hard thing for me because I built on fitness, nutrition, fat loss. And not that I, can't still do those things and have programs that work with that. It just wasn't fueling me. I knew I, there was more, there was more. I think, you know, a big theme here is, you know, being true to you Yeah. in your business. But is it also fair to say that it's a moving target? That it is a moving target. Over the years, like what matters to you and what you feel called to do has, has changed. Yes. And so it's like, are we going to change with it or not? Yes. And so you have, which is exciting because you also just recently released a book. Yes. And you know, like a whole new message. So you want to share a little bit about where Sure. Sure. And I know you get this too, because you've pivoted more than anyone I know. (laughs) So many times, you know, people still say the YouTube guy. I'm like, no, he's so much more now. (laughs) So yeah. So as I'm 47 and dealing with things that come up with aging, this is actually really interesting. I was finding myself wanting to control more. So like I'm, I've always been this control freak and it's like, okay, now I'm getting older. Like I got to fix everything. And, and I hear women saying like, Oh, as you get older, the maintenance is more. And there's, there's this whole theme around aging. And then also people saying that they're too old or it's too late. I just keep catching this theme and I was getting caught up in it. And it was like the ultimate false assumed truth to me because I saw it everywhere. So, you know, I say my back hurts and a friend that's my age would say, Oh yeah, getting old sucks. And it's like this big whole, whole thing around aging. And I thought I'm dealing with this. I want to walk through that. So I was having a big disconnect with people messaging me. How do you get a six pack abs? You know, when I'm dealing with a much bigger thing. So, so to me, I started really speaking into that. And why does it have to be that your life is over at 47 or 50 or it doesn't have to be like, that's the ultimate false assumed truth. So I decided to really speak into that and start to change people's perception about age, because the bottom line is you're not not too old and it's not too late. You could absolutely start a new passion, a new business, a new life. You could start everything in your forties and fifties. That doesn't matter. So really speaking into that and working with women on that message versus just how do you get a six pack? Sure. Yet is there still a common thread for you from 12 years ago, sharing your journey and, Mm -hmm. you know, given a recipe book and your first ebook and what you're doing today. Like, is there a through? Yeah. 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 It's, and it's funny because when I fight that it doesn't work, but like, as soon as I got clear on my messaging with aging in reverse and then also leveling up the whole podcast thing, everything started working again. It's like, but when I was trying so hard to fight and make 
things that were no longer serving me or working work, they were not working. And I kept fighting harder, harder, harder. And that's another lesson in surrender. Like until I was like, okay, what am I supposed to be seeing here? Let me be present right now. What am I walking through? What's real for me right now? Until I took that time to look at that, it wasn't going to get clear to me. Yeah. Just because I know you've interviewed so many amazing people now mm-hmm. on, on the Leveling Up podcast, which yeah. we'll link to that in the show notes. What would you say are some of the biggest, I don't know, common denominators or oh my gosh. common I love characteristics you. and traits that you see with all this? Yeah, stuff? I love that you just asked that question because um, there's seven specific traits. This is actually really, this, I've just been writing it. This is going to be, this will be my next thing because I see, watch, this is how this happens. And I have a very clear vision of what I'm doing with these seven things. So I'm excited about that. But there's seven specific things that every single interview I've done on leveling up and I've done over a hundred now, every single episode. And these are people that achieved massive success from failure. They've all done these seven things. And I, it's crazy because every single episode they're saying them. So the first one is that they all make a decision, like a draw a line in the sand and decide like I'm done. This is what's changing. This is what's happening. It's a definitive decision. It's not, I'm going to try. It's like, no, I'm, I'm done being broke or I'm, I'm going to make this money or I'm done being overweight. Or I'm, I'm done. It's a, it's an absolute decision though, of what they're going to create. And, and just to add something there. Cause I love the, the power of the word decision because it has side in it, yeah. which is, uh, from the Latin root to like kill off, like, yeah. and so it's like to kill off all other avenues, all other options and commit to one. That's powerful. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So decide. And then the second one is vision. Everyone has a vision. They get very clear on where it is that they want to go. And not only where do they want to go, what does it look like, feel like, what is it like when they get there? And I know, James, you speak into this a lot. Like, if you don't plan what you want, you're going to end up someplace really random. <laughs> so, like, really getting clear on what does it look like? Like, who are you going to be around? Where are you living? What's that? What is your hours working look like? Like, what is that vision? Every single person got super crazy clear with their vision, like exactly what it is that they wanted to head towards. Yeah, no, good. That's great. I mean, yes, yeah. I can talk all day about vision. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it's the thing that's like, people always say, yeah, that's, I'll get to that. Yep. Yeah. Right. They say. One day, someday kind of thing. And yeah. Like, no, I just need to figure out how to make some money first. And then I can, no. No, it's, it's, it's always, you have to know where you're going. I always, I always use the example. Like if you get in a car and you just drive, like, where are you going to end up? I mean, it depends on, I mean, I don't know how much gas you have. What do you feel like? <laughs> you know, where are your friends? Yeah, or just go to the airport and like, yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> but if you know where you're going, you'll get there. Like train, boat, car, whatever, you're going to get there. It might take you longer. It might be, you will get there, but you have to get clear on that. And I can't tell you how many times I work with people that say, I say, well, what do you want? And they go, I just want to be happy. (laughs) Well, that's not a vision. What, what do you actually want? So getting really clear on that. Well, and I also believe you could, we could just choose to be happy right now. Happiness is. You totally can. It's funny that you just brought that up about choice. Choice is not one of the seven things that I had included, but I just did an interview right before you started interviewing me and he brought that up. And I was like, you know what? That's actually interesting because it's always a choice. I was asking him on the interview, what do you do when you have self-doubt? Like when, when self-doubt's coming up for you, does it come up for you? And he said, it comes up with me all the time, but it's always a choice. I recognize it and then I choose to not buy into it. So choice is a big one. So I'm gonna have to make it eight now. I think James. I I agree. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Life is a choice in every moment. What are you going to choose? Especially look, and just to bring that back to vision, why I believe vision is, is so important and and purpose and Mm -hmm. and something that's bigger than you with the work that we're doing. Like you and I both know, and we could get into this as, as well, but like, you know, there's a lot of growth that has to happen in order for, as a personal brand business to get to the level that we have. Right. Yeah. I don't know if a lot of the stuff came up for you of like, who am I to be doing this? I'm not a yeah. best-selling author yet. And you're putting out an ebook and stuff like that. But 
when you choose to operate from the vision, you choose to operate from this purpose of, Hey, I could be helping somebody on the other side of the country right now with this ebook. That, That choice is always bigger than our fears. You're right. About what people will think of us or what they'll say about us. And that's why so many people do get stuck. That's why so many people self-sabotage because they're choosing themselves over the bigger vision. You're totally right. You're totally right. So the bigger thing with the biggest part of that, though, with the vision and the decision is, and I have all these little Natalieisms I call on these, like you liked my false assumed truths. I also have something called I call DCM, which is a driving core motivator. And that's your really deep why that you actually want that vision. And if you don't get to that, there's a big disconnect because if you don't know why you want this, the next one. For you yeah, on this. yeah. So that's, that's actually number, yeah, that's number three driving core motivator. And that's your, and I, I've heard you describe it before as like your 10 level deep. Why, but it, it's getting to the root of why it is you actually want something. And the why is not, and I'll, I'll bring it back to fat loss for a minute because that's what I've worked in for so many years. But you know, women would come to me and say, I want to lose weight. Great. And if we just work on that goal of, I want to lose weight, like they're never happy. Cause what it's so subjective, like what number is right. And, and is it, what if the scale's off and what, who knows, what if you gain muscle, there's just too many variables, mm-hmm. but if we can get to the real, why it goes to a much deeper place. It usually goes to something like confidence or they want to feel loved. There's something deeper. And you do that by really breaking down, asking yourself why over and over again, why do you want that? Why do you want that? And what does that mean? Yeah. And really getting to that root. And when you get there, and you could do that with anything, that's what drives you past not feeling like it. That's what drives you past people telling you, no, you don't have to, or talking you out of it. That driving car motivator is your secret weapon. Well, let me ask you this, because being that we've been both at this for a very long time, mm-hmm. like 12 years on the internet is like 40 years. And yeah, right. It's just, it's, we've seen so much change and it's actually rare to have someone like you that's been in, in an industry for this long and, and yeah. stay relevant and a, and a leader for so long. So I have to assume like that DCM is, Oh, uh, it changes all time. It yeah. changes, but it's something that it's a prerequisite, right? Yeah, it totally is. And to give you an example, so my driving core motivator when I very when I first started was I was super depressed when I started my business. I was really depressed, like like didn't even want to live anymore depressed. And the only reason I was not contemplating that is I had a daughter and it was like, I'm, I, she was my driving core motivator is I wanted to get healthy and feel better because of her. And that's what kept me going. That's what kept me eating the way I did and working out and staying positive and learning and researching. It was her, she was my driving core motivator. You know, my driving core motivator, she's always a part of it, but it's also changed over time. And then there was a big part of my life where my driving core motivator was my clients, because if I just let myself go, what are they going to think? How am I leading them? You know, and my driving core motivator now has really changed. Like my driving core motivator now is I want to be pain free. I want to have freedom. Um, I want to enjoy my life. Like those are kind of my three driving core motivators right now. So I look at everything now. Is it going to help with those three things? Yeah. So good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What else you got? Okay. So four is kill the fat. What we were talking about, kill the fat. You got to kill the false assumed truths and we all have them. So it's really getting to the root of what are those false assumed truths and and you have to get really clear with that. It's funny. I thought I had killed most of my false assumed truths. And then I had a big one hit me in the face recently around money. And I didn't even realize I had it. Oh <laughs> I had a weird belief set around money and I caught myself with it and I've changed it. So when you can recognize a belief that's holding you back, 
when you really can recognize it and figure out where it came from, you can shift your story around that. And that changes the reaction to it. Before you share what that was, I think that's a great skill that you have that I don't think most people have. Mm -hmm. They don't develop. How does one catch these lies, these assumed truths. Like, cause I don't, I don't mm-hmm. think that's easy for most people. Yeah. So you start, so the way to start is pick one thing at a time and like pick, pick a goal that you haven't maybe hit or you're getting discouraged about. It could be anything, your body, finances, a relationship, anything. And, and journal out, list out, what are all your beliefs around it? Like, why do you think you don't have that? That's the easiest way so to figure start it out. With that question, why do you believe, yes. why do you think you do not have this thing? So weight loss is a big one because I have so many women I deal with with this. So I'll say, why do you think that? They give me everything. My doctor told me this, my um, genetics, my mom. Well, I, I'm just lazy. I don't have time. <laughs> like they, I've got this diagnosis. Like they will see an actual list. And then every single thing on there is a false assumed truth. Because every, and the reason it is, is every single thing on there, somebody else got results despite that. Exactly. Right. There's someone else that's had as yes, had the genetics or had the not enough time or not enough money. And they got totally, totally. So we all have false assumed truths, even if you recognize them and you're getting better at it, we all have them. But as soon as you can start looking at them and recognizing them and start understanding and unwrapping where it comes from, you can shift your story and belief around it. And you can, you do it one by one, do it one by one. So good. So you were able to do this recently. Yeah, I've done it. I catch myself over and over doing this, but most recently I had a big one around money and it was actually really crazy. I had no idea that I was even, even doing it, but I had a big story around my clients, my audience, not wanting to pay for higher price things, coaching and other and retreats that I'm doing. I had a big story around it, even though I had people that were paying it. I had this belief that my audience is used to a lower price product. They're used to this. And I had, a, it was stopping me. It was fully stopping me. And I didn't realize that. I really thought I had the facts now. <laughs> like, well, if they know me from fitness and nutrition, they, and I, you know, it's this constant thing. So I had to really unwrap. Why do I have that belief? Where's that coming from? How did you, uh, like yeah. counteract that? What so this is, so let me, why, do you want the story of how I figured yeah. out I really had this? Absolutely. So I, I went to go meet my friend for lunch and my friend is super successful and her and her husband both are on their own. And she came to meet me at lunch at the strip mall and her driver dropped her off and her chauffeured Rolls Royce. Okay. So I'm meeting her at lunch in the strip mall and she was dropped off and I found myself embarrassed by it. And I was like, that was just a, no- a thing I noticed like, Oh, I'm embarrassed that she's coming in her. Sh- what if my clients see me? I had this like weird feeling about it. And because I'm, I really do work on myself and like to lean into these things. When we were at lunch, we were talking and I was talking about my belief in my business and what's going on. I caught myself and I said, I said to her, I said, you know, what's really funny when you pulled up today, I had this uncomfortable thing and it was really bizarre to me. And we started talking about it. And what I figured out right then was that all of my friends, everyone in my life that I'm around has success, is confident, has all these, it does really well. And I've been hiding that part from my audience. Like I show up to my audience like this different person. Like I'm still that broke, overweight, single mom that I started my business as. I, I keep that avatar. And it's like, I've, I've been hiding this other part worried about their feelings. I've not showed them how I've leveled up or what else is in my life. So I started really noticing that. And I, so I did the work literally with her at the table and I was like, where does this come from? So I really thought back to being a child and I came up with two very specific things. One was we were burglarized when I was in probably third or fourth grade, we were burglarized. And I remember um, coming home and my family being devastated that we were burglarized. And my parents said to me, when you have nice things, people want to take them from you. Mm -hmm. 
So I formed a belief around that right yeah. then and there as a child. I also remember, um, remember when you probably don't know jeans cause you're not a girl, but do you remember guest jeans? Like guest jeans were the thing when I was in, um, junior high. And I remember being so excited for uh, a pair of guest jeans. And my parents were always, we were always like the frugal discount shopping. I was so excited because I, at the discount store, got a pair of guest jeans. And I remember being on the bus ride to school, like bouncing around, like making sure everyone could see the little triangle on my butt, feeling like real proud of myself with my guest jeans. And someone called me a Jap. And a Jap stood for Jewish American princess. And this is me in junior high school. And I remember feeling really hurt by that and then getting made fun of from other kids that I was this Jewish American princess and making this belief that you shouldn't show that you have nice things because people don't like you. So I related it back to those two very specific things as a child that I carried through all the way now into my business. Yeah. Let me ask you this. Cause I've actually had a very similar conversation with our mutual friend, mm -hmm. uh, Catherine Zenkina. Yeah. How do you think it affects your business to not show the, the, the success, you know, with like material and also not yeah. like it matters, but like, yeah, it's so much less, I think significant, yeah. but how do you think that does affect business? It, hurt, it, it really comes back to people pleasing. So there's a difference between showing things to make people feel bad. And like, that would be wrong. Like, Oh, right. look at me. I've got a Rolls Royce, you know, whatever that that's different. But if you're like, trying and say, I'm better than you. Or yes, something. that would be very different. That's a whole ego conversation, but being real, like I shouldn't have to hide things from my audience. That's, that's the difference. So if I'm being real, like who cares if I like nice shoes or a nice, or I have a friend that drives a nice car, like I shouldn't feel like I have to hide that. Now gloating is very different, but it was this idea of people pleasing where I have to appear and guard my audience from this because they might think this that's doing a disservice. That's not who I am. That's not helping other women level up. That's not being authentic. So it works both ways. So you can still be humble and you still can be aware, but you don't, it's about being real still though. And a hundred percent. And I feel like, you know, people that are newer to us, it's, it's, and I don't know what your perspective is. I really <laughs> would love to hear it is that sometimes like that's what brings them into our circle is when they see almost like, it's almost like the, a little bit more of the, the superficial materials. Yeah. It can so, be that first thing of like, Oh, she does know what she's talking. Oh, she does walk the talk, you know? Yeah. And then they realize there's far more depth to you than like a nice. Yes. So let me give you a, a funny example. I have a, I have a client that she came to one of my VIP weekends and my VIP weekends were $6,000 and it was, it was a stretch for her. And I, and I felt this huge guilt around her spending $6,000 just because I knew I took that on. Like she's, this is a lot to her. I also knew what it was going to do for her. I knew it was going to be amazing for her, but I remember feeling really enrolled in her victim story about the money. And I was super aware of it and really cautious and working with my language with her and really careful not to gloat or anything. And what's so crazy is after she came to my weekend, which she loved, she ended up joining somebody I introduced her to their $45,000 mastermind. <laughs> so it, it was such a lesson to me that I sat here and judged and got enrolled in this. And because I hid this whole part of me, she now, she has $45,000 to go invest in somebody else. Yeah. 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 That, that's really good. I think I've struggled with, you know, presenting that more. Yeah. You know, the, the nice fancy cars and the nice house and stuff like that. And, um, I think I'm going to make a more yeah. effort. But you know what I mean? There's a difference between like gloating, like look what I got versus like telling the story. Like I've worked my whole for 20 years for this and it, look what I have now, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's, 
if it's not gloating, it's let me show you what's possible. Let me, yeah. let me be the, uh, what the, um, Roger Bannister of an online business. Sure. Like, hey, he showed us that you could run a mile under four minutes, right? Totally. So I'm going to show you that you can have this and this and that. Yeah. And, you know, and not that those things like, and I think we can both agree, like those are you, you already said it as part of your story. You had all those things and you weren't happy. Right. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not the answer. They're like just fun little things. Totally. <laughs> yeah. totally. Okay. So if, if you worked through that money story of my clients, my audience can't invest in more expensive stuff, right. invest in themselves by spending more. What was the new story? What was the new truth that you... So the new truth is that I'm putting that on them. <laughs> I'm putting that on them. I'm creating that. And I do this How every day. you, by the way? Yeah, I do this every day. James, we, you and I had a conversation. I, I think I just said this to you yesterday. I wanted to share your um, program with people. I was like, my audience would love this, I think. And then I said to you right after that, I don't know if my audience would be interested because they just know fitness. Like I do it all the time. These like false assumed truths. And it's like, whoa, I just keep catching it more and more and more. So I'm realizing it's me. It's me. It's always us. What are we sharing with conviction? What are we speaking into? So yeah, I have a a listener of the podcast. They might be listening right now. So you might know who, who you are, who I had somebody else on the um, podcast who was uh, joined my mastermind a couple years ago when it was 20, $25,000. And they, Mm -hmm. they said like, wow, it really like triggered me or brought up some stuff that like you charge that type of money. And I'm like, Oh no, no, no. Today it's much more. (laughs) (laughs) I actually like really do want to lean into that and say like, you know, for people at that level, like $40,000 is, I don't want to say it's not a lot of money, but those individuals have completely changed their relationship. Yeah. That is a drop in the bucket to say it from one perspective and to lean into that, to say, Hey, that could be you one day. Yeah. What if there's one day for someone listening where $40,000 is the same amount of same emotion attached to that buying a stick of gum? Yeah. And that's totally possible. And here's what I ought to say. Nobody ever has extra money just laying around. Like, I don't care what level you are. Like nobody just has $40,000 laying around. Like, oh, here's $40,000. It doesn't work that way. But the charge does change. And you start realizing that it is an investment in yourself. Like I invest in myself all the time and it's scary every time. But I also know because I do it, I take the action and I create results from it too. Oh, so good. So good. Okay. So number four was kill the fat. Yeah. So after after that, that leads into right. What we were just talking to is stop the people pleasing and the fear of judgment. And you really have to ask yourself, who are you living for? So with false assumed truths, that comes a lot of people's opinions. And one of the commonalities is we have to stop listening to their opinions because their opinions don't pay our bills. They don't create our dreams. And people pleasing is the ultimate part of listening to opinions because we're trying so hard to have approval from everybody else. And until we let that go, like really let that go, it's very hard to create your vision and make it a reality. I'm so glad this is one of your seven slash eight because this is something that's really been coming up for me is something I'm really passionate to speak more mm-hmm. mm-hmm. episode on it because I think this is the biggest self imposed prison that we create in our lives. Yep. Yeah. Whether you want to call it people pleasing or just like, it was so for me, it was so important. What people thought of me is so important. I didn't want people to think about me. I didn't want someone's brain space to be consumed with anything of me. I wanted to disappear. I wanted to be invisible. Like I yeah. You know, cause it's like, oh my gosh, don't think about me positive or negative. I don't, I'm not worried. Yeah. Like, oh my goodness. I, and I remember even just like going to the beach 
like walking from the steps of the beach into the water. I'm like, who's looking at me? Am I walking the right way? <laughs> right. Like, oh my goodness. And then of course you get into a business and yeah. personal brand and you're doing like a Facebook live or an Instagram story. And it's like, all that stuff comes up and it's got to go. So is this mm -hmm. something that you struggled with for a long time? Cause obviously so I'm still, I think I always will have struggled with it and um, I still do. And I, I, I would even have thought that I don't struggle with it, but then I keep catching myself with things that I do like around the money or, you know, for years I thought of myself as a bad negotiator, like a terrible negotiator. When I really unwrapped that, that came from people pleasing because I don't want people to feel bad that I'm negotiating or asking for less or whatever it is. So once I realized that that's what I was doing, I was able to change my story around that and well, totally ask. Because you've already demonstrated so well how authentic and real you are, even just on this, this episode, maybe you'll let me go here, but I know you yeah. shared with me a few weeks ago when we were in Chicago about your tendency to like delete or remove a comment. Yes. yes. Negative. Yeah. And, um, and I got really excited because I really lean into the negative comments mm -hmm. today. Mm -hmm. like I find it as an option. Yeah. It's a game for me. I've choose to make it a game of like, you know what? I'm going to make a fan out of this. Totally. Um, so that's the ultimate people pleasing too. So yes. And, and a, an issue of control. So I, I talked about surrender earlier. The opposite of surrender is control, right? So, and I, and I was a total self-proclaimed control freak. I'm still battling that, but so people pleasing is really part of that. So for me, for years, you get, I get a negative comment or a hater. My idea around that is just delete and block. Like, I don't want to see it. I tell my team, like, I don't want to see those messages in customer service. It just, it gets in my energy space. I don't want it. And that works to some extent. Great. But that's all control and controls an illusion. We can't possibly control it all. So when you said that to me, which the I was getting some really weird comments and James like, Oh, those are fun. I'm like fun. But what you, but what you really helped me look at is one, why is my perspective that it's bad? Like it's not bad. It can be fun. I could change my perspective. And if I really am going to be a leader and teach, why can't I use those as opportunities to teach and lead? And three, what is it about them that has me thinking that they're actually right? Like they're, they don't have to be right. They could just be negative comments. They don't right. have to mean anything. Right. Exactly. Like, yeah. Like do we almost validate them by deleting it? Yes. You know? So, and I'm not saying I'm never going to delete one. There's some that just get deleted. Cause if they're taking, cause the other thing is if they're taking up my time, it's not worth it. It's like, if it's going to waste my time or put, me in a bad space, it might be better just to ignore it or delete it. But I really started looking at them different. Like, why is that, am I getting this charge? What's that about? And what does that relate back to? So I can learn. And then how can I respond? And, you know, the person that is writing that stuff, they just want to be heard and they just want to be seen. That's all they want. So if I can look at them as like the wounded little kid that just wants to be seen or heard, it's a very different charge that I have versus if I'm looking at them as they're just truly a mean person. Exactly. Like you look at any, any friend or any person, you know, that's just had like the best day of their life. Like they got a promotion or they just finished the most successful. Yeah. And they're so happy. They're so grateful. They're just like on cloud nine. Yeah. That state. No one just then goes on Instagram. It's like, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. Right. right. Yeah. We have to assume for like 99% of people when something like negative comes in like that, maybe they're having a really bad day, you know, really yeah. bad week, really bad year. Totally. Um, you know, like they just need a hug. <laughs> they just want yeah, to be, be heard and need a hug. Yeah. yeah. And, um, why I think this is so important is because the alternative is if we don't lean into these negative comments, accept them as they are surrender to them. And, and like, actually, 
either respond to them or let them be. And, you know, just even like, there's a lot that we do some ads today. And I think maybe you've seen some of them that are, are intentionally going to very cold audiences. It's intentionally very polarizing. Yeah. And you know, a lot of my responses are just like, cool, you, you do you, you know, you be you, if that works for you. you know, yeah. If it works for you, you know, um, some, I like to poke at them a little bit, but if we're not doing that, then I assume that the alternative isn't, then we, we water down our message. Totally. We yes. pull our punches more. You know, as I like to say, we're, we start serving up vanilla instead of Rocky Road. So true. And, and here's the other thing. So being disruptive is so, so important, I believe. And here's what also is, came up for me around that. When I'm truly living in my truth, like what I know to be true, and I'm adding value and teaching from that place, it would be very challenging for me to get offended by somebody's comment because it really is my truth. Now, if I'm using a marketing message, like something that I'm told to do, then that does feel phony. So yeah, I would be upset by it. A little out of integrity there. Yes. And speaking about disruptive, this is really cool because being disruptive is about you cutting the false assumed truths out of your industry. And out yes. of that's what being disruptive is. Yes. It's not a marketing tactic. It's saying, Hey, we need to move this collective consciousness of this industry forward. And what's preventing that is your fat, your false assumed truth. Yes. I'm going to challenge that in this post right now. And some stuff's probably going to come up for them. So be it because we're cutting the fat. Totally. Yeah, I love it. That's the idea. You just wrote my next Instagram post for me right now. There you go. That's perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, and the question that goes with people pleasing and is to ask yourself, who are you living for? Like, if you really look at that, like, who are you? Is it, are you living for you? Are you living for somebody else? Like what, who, what, who are you living for? What if someone's like, well, if you're living for you, that's just so selfish. Okay. But if you are, if you're living for somebody else, that's also selfish to you because you're never really sharing your gifts or being you or being authentic. So if you're living for you, you can expand and teach and help others too. So, I mean, and also just that opinion of they are saying that is another people pleasing thing because they're saying, you know, that's their opinion. You should live for me. Well, that would be me to say that. Yes. Just like the airplane with the put your oxygen mask on first, you have to take care of yourself first. Who who knew that a flight attendant would have like the best. I know. Seriously. It's true. And then after that, the next one is, and I know you've heard this before and I don't have a crazy, I don't have a unique acronym for this. So I'll have to come up with one, but changing your thoughts and actions. So every commonality of the interviews that I've done is they had to have different thoughts and take different actions because everything you are right now, right here today is a result of those thoughts and actions you've had. So if you want to get more of that, you keep doing those things. If you want to change. Yeah. You got to change those things. Yes. Oh, it's so important. So it's like, you might as well just do the opposite of whatever you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> if you've been going left to work, I'll just go right and see what happens. Yeah. And then something I learned, I heard this on your podcast, actually, James, and I've totally stolen it because it's amazing. I don't remember who you had a guest on that brought this up and I've used it like everywhere now. I love it. But when, when people say, instead of the looking in the mirror and saying like, I am beautiful, I am worthy saying I'm becoming the type of person who is. Oh, yeah. And I got that from someone you interviewed and it's so brilliant, like, because you, you do believe that a lot more and it's a lot easier. So part of changing your thoughts and actions is creating a new thought by saying, I'm becoming the type of person who this. Totally. It just like softens the resistance that you could have with a, with an affirmation of I am blank. Yes. So I love that. It's really good. Yeah. And then the final thing on that is that everyone had, I call this one, who's on your bus. 
And that's um, what are you taking in? So what people are you allowing in your life? What messages, what books are you reading? What podcasts are you listening to? What are you taking in? Because those are going to become your new thoughts and actions. Yeah. And I just did an episode about how important it is to like what we're bringing into our conscious and unconscious awareness. Like, are we spending all day just reading negative information right. news and getting upset? And that to me, it's just so toxic. The Facebook news feed. Oh yeah. It, the, yeah. the way the algorithm works is it's there to, um, Hey, if you're really triggered and offended and <laughs> I know. wronged you and a <laughs> awful thing to you and their customer support sucks, you're going to get a bunch of likes and shares. Totally. Significance out of it. Yeah. That's just, Weird. Yeah, because people see that drama, they go viral, and then the whole thing becomes a big drama fest. Well, and I just love, it kind of brings a full circle to you. You're like, I need to be around more people that have gotten through the adversities that I'm facing with right now. Instead of just going to listen to a podcast, it's such a like proactive, let's do something about it. You're like, I'm just going to do my own. Yeah. Well, I, I, I just love that. I think that's just like so simple. It's like, screw it. And I had no agenda really for, I didn't know anything about podcasting when I started it. I'd always thought I wanted to start a podcast. I just didn't really know what I was going to do it on. And then when that hit me, it was it really, to me, it looks, it's like I've had a hundred hours of therapy. You know, it was like I, I hundred, a hundred people I wanted to interview about how they changed their mindset. And to hear the same thing told to me, in a different story and a different way, but the same thing over and over, it sticks. It's, I get so excited now to do podcast interviews. In fact, I just slow down. I like, I have enough interviews to go through the next several months. Like I just, but I love doing it because it's so rewarding to me because I'm asking those questions and I'm learning. Is there anything else that you do or don't do to be conscious and mindful of what you bring into your brain, into your mind? Gosh, you know, I'm, I'm still, wor I'm becoming the type of person who's really good at this. <laughs> so I really want to take on meditation in a, in a big way. And what I'm learning is that what I've done for meditation is really about being mindful. And I want to really master being in a true meditative state because I feel that that's another, I didn't list that as one of the things, but I would put meditation and choices if I were to add more to my list of seven. Um, Meditation is another commonality. There's a difference between being present and mindful and being in a total meditative state. And I think getting into that meditative state, I've only had it happen for me a few times, and but they were so impactful. And if I could be able to make that happen every single day, I think it would bring me to a whole new level. So I'm work. I'm becoming the type of person who knows how to do that. I'm actively taking that on as something I want to learn. I've always been the type of person, my false assumed truths, I don't have time, my mind's too busy. And I realize that's the person that needs it more. So, right. so that is something I'm doing as far as who's in my life and what I'm around. There's some people that I can't control it in my life. Like there's some people that are part of your world that I deal with it, but I do try to drown it out with more of the right things. So I'm a huge believer in, in reading and listening to podcasts and doing my own interviews with it. So I, I feel like I over, I add in so much of the good information. It's less room for the bad or it drowns out the bad. Right. Oh, that's so good. Okay. So this is awesome. And I wrote these down so we can kind of quickly recap. Okay. These are seven common who do you, what do you call them? Characteristics? So I, call, well, honestly, the, the thing that I, it's, it's truly how to create everything from nothing. Those seven things, these seven things are like how to create everything from nothing because my podcast is called leveling up, creating everything from nothing. And this is the theme of every interview I've done. So I feel that if we do these seven things and I, I, by the way, James, I started really taking this on. Like once I figured this out, I made a list and this is just recently, like last week I started going through these seven things. I'm like, I'm focusing on these every day because if that's what works, that's what 
works. That's what works. So yeah. it's the seven things to, on how you can create everything from nothing. I love it. Decision to make a decision, to have a vision, to have a big why to kill the fat, which I'm, you know, I just love <laughs> to end the people pleasing and people's, you know, opinions and judgments of mm-hmm. you asking that question, who are you living for to change your thoughts and align that with new actions and get clear with who's on your bus and get yeah. that don't, don't belong there off the bus. Yes. And then you've got eight, the bonus one, choice. Yes. But, and then nine, if I use meditation, so it might be nine. <laughs> so I don't know. I'm shifting I'm gro- because they all actually, everybody does say meditation, but the only one person brought up choice. But if I think back to most interviews, it is a choice. Like it's, it's a conscious choice every day to step into that versus the negative. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Well, just, um, first of all, this is, this has been amazing. I only have a few more questions before I, um, you know, I want to be mindful of your time. And this is, this has already gone really long, but it's been so awesome looking at, at entrepreneurs specifically, yeah. since that's most of our listeners, what would you say are some of the false assumed truths that you see that, oh. that are preventing them from really so good business they want? Oh my gosh. I'm so clear on this. They <laughs> say that it's already been done. Like somebody else already doing it. They think that their idea is not good enough. They think it's too late. Like the online space or whatever is too crowded. They believe that they're not actually capable of making the kind of money. And then the biggest one is they think everybody else is a fraud or a scam. (laughs) They're all lying. I hear that a lot. Like they're not actually really making that. Right. It's so funny what you said about the, like, it's too late and stuff. Mm -hmm. I did a post recently because back in, you would just relate to this so much back in 2009, that, that was the post It said 2009. It was the belief was no one's actually doing this. Yeah. So it doesn't actually work. And now 2019, it's everyone else is already doing this. Therefore it won't work. Wow. Yeah. That's so, I mean, that's so that's true. Like the landscape has been yeah. 10 years, 10 years ago. I remember so many, I go to conferences and events and people would say like, there's not actually anybody doing this except for a handful of people telling you how to make yeah. money, making money, teaching you how to make money. And so, so, so it's not possible. And then of course today it's like, oh no, I can't do yep. it. Everybody's already doing it. See, it's, it's so it's heavy. False and truths are real. Mm-hmm. They really are. Yeah. We make them real, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. Those are really mm-hmm. good. Any final thoughts or words of wisdom or something for maybe somebody who's just going through a hardship of their own, Yeah. you know, in their yeah. personal life. Start with that, literally start with that list. Like what, and really get clear on what it is that you want. Cause if you don't know where you're going and you just stay focused on everything, not working, you're going to stay stuck there. So, and I'm guilty of it too. I have, I definitely have had many days, James, you know, that with me, like where I'm like stuck in my head about what things are, but that's a miserable place to be. And when, as soon as I start shifting into what is it that I want, my whole energy changes, my creativity changes, things start working, things start moving. Yeah. So anything you can do to get you into the space of what it is you actually want versus all the things you're miserable about because that's heavy and real and that doesn't help to stay stuck there i think that's so simple and so true i always do that an objection that comes up a uh fat if you will is then people say well i don't know what i want what would you yeah okay so so then take this list of things you don't want and what's the opposite of it So you're broke. Okay. You want to have lots of money. You feel time restricted. You want to have freedom. Like it's, it could be the opposite. 
It's always the opposite of what you don't want. But fantasize and dream, like as I'm talking right now, I can see my vision board. Like I'm always looking forward at what it is because yes, the, all the other stuff pulls us, but I just keep focused on forward and what's driving me forward. And if I'm having a bad day, here's what I won't do. I'm, I'm not going to call somebody that's going to commiserate my bad day with me because that keeps me there. Yeah. That validates my bad day. Instead, I'm going to go to people that are killing it and get lifted up by them. Yeah. I focus on that. My, my poor wife, anytime she comes to me with a bad day, I won't, I won't let her stay in that. Yeah. Misery. And I know I gotta be a good husband and just listen and be like, that's awful. I know I think it was this morning as it was like a car blocking the, the road and she couldn't get through for like 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm oh trying to coach her through it. I'm like, she's going to kill me. <laughs> and I definitely look, I have my, see, this is why it's so important to have people around you. that kind of get this because like my husband and I both really live in this work, but we both have our, we're both human. We both yeah. have our, you know, so like he's like, just, I hope he's not listening at the door, but he, the last, <laughs> he's been in his mood the last day or two. And it's like, and I can't pull him out of it yet. So I just gotta let him go through it. And then I know he'll shift out of it. So we all have those, but it's important to have people around that also understand this and can, help carry you into that. Absolutely. That's so good. And I just love what you said about having the vision board because it's something to anchor, like reorient your attention and your focus. And here's the cool thing, James, your body does not know the difference between what's actually real or what you're just visualizing. And if you don't believe me, like close your eyes and imagine biting a lemon, like what happens to your body? It actually, there's, so if you're just staring at your vision board of your multi-million dollar view and your ocean and the, all that stuff, like you'll start feeling and lifting up the whole vibration towards that. And that those are the conversations and everything starts shifting towards that. And we just need to spend more time doing that. Yes. I think people start to get a sense of that and they do it for like five minutes once a month or something. Or yeah. I'm constantly looking at my vision board. I'm constantly, I got from Catherine, who you mentioned the idea of writing a check to yourself. I do that now. Like I'm just always looking at the forward. Yeah. And anybody, well, no one on this podcast would be like, that's nonsense. Like they're, they're all <laughs> the choir here. But if anybody was like, maybe you had your spouse come on and they're like, you know, like bugging them, come on, please, honey, listen to this episode just this one time. The worst thing, you know, like the worst that could happen if anybody was like a skeptic, mm-hmm. like, you just f- feel a little bit better throughout the day. Yeah. Like that's the worst thing. That's the worst that can happen. Yeah. You start to feel a little bit more excited throughout. Yeah. The, you, know? you know, you know, I interviewed somebody on my podcast, James, this conversation was so epic. Like I, he, when I started the podcast with him, I asked him about failures and he's like, I haven't had any failures. And I, my first thought was, Oh, great. This will kind of interesting conversation. So you haven't had any failures. And then what I learned was his just perspective about failures was totally different than everybody else's. So he was homeless living on the beach for a year. But when I asked him about being homeless living on the beach, he's like, but I was living on the beach. I had beachfront property. <laughs> like he had all like, and when you think about it, you're right. He did like, he, he was happy. He was living on, literally living on the beach. <laughs> so, so it was his perspective. It was so wild to hear. Well, and I'm like, I think if I'm being honest, when I, when I came on your show, I had a hard time like really labeling failure. Yeah. But it's because of your perspective. It's not because you haven't had them. Exactly. And it's like, oh, I guess, I guess other people would look at that and be like, oh, what a disaster. Yes. But I just kind of said, this is, I mean, this is part of it. It's like, yeah. I love the movie. That's like where the drama, the cliffhanger is. Like- so I started figuring out that everybody has failures. <laughs> that's what, that's, yeah. that's the big secret. And so what's so interesting and why I love doing my podcast now is I dig those out of people because yeah, looking on the outside, you would think they just had the perfect life. And that's not true. Like every single successful person I know has had a failure. And every successful person has to have had some sort of surrender, acceptance, or closure, or a new meaning created from that failure. So that's maybe one reason why 
it no longer shows up as a failure for them. Totally. Oh, this is and just a thing that happened. Yeah. And the surrender word keeps, I'm getting, ta- I'm get, I don't have a tattoo, but I've decided I'm getting that on my arm, by the way, that word mm-hmm. surrender, because it's just been such a heavy theme for me in the last year. Like I, I want to know that word. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Well, this has been awesome. So Natalie, thank you so much for coming on. And Thanks for having me. Yeah. Okay. So best place to, to hang out. Tell us a little bit about your, your podcast and then where yeah. we So my podcast is called leveling up, creating everything from nothing. And I'm actually proud that it's like, it's, it does fine in health, but it's like, that's not where it's ranking. It's ranking in self-help, which makes me happy because it's like a new ground for me. So I love that. So it's, it's just, it's all stories of how people leveled up and create everything from nothing. So there's that, uh, my new book, which talks a lot about false and truth is aging in reverse. And that's available anywhere books are sold. And then as far as me, I'm on social media everywhere. Natalie, Jill fit. Awesome. And we'll link all of that up in the show notes. You got to check out Natalie's podcast and her book and, and uh, connect with her on Instagram, please. Anything that she shared here today that's had an impact on you or made a difference for you, please let her know. She's on the grams chatting and connecting with a, a ton of people. So Thanks, James. Yeah, thank you. And, and I have you put oh. on my podcast, so maybe they yeah. can listen to that one. Hear well, your, your hardships. I'll definitely link up that one mm-hmm. so you guys can hear a little bit of, of my hardships. Absolutely. So thank you. Thank you again for coming on. I Thanks truly- for having me. You're amazing. You're so awesome. Thank you. And thank you guys for tuning in and for, hey, staying all the way to the end. This is a longer episode. So thank you. Really appreciate that. And we'll see you all here next time here on the Mind Your Business Podcast. Take care. 12 years ago, I made my very first sale on the internet for an e-course on how to bartend. And from that moment, I was hooked. And after building a seven-figure-a-year online business, teaching my passion for YouTube and video, well, I began helping others do the same. From those just starting out, looking to figure out what their first digital product is, to those who have scaled to seven figures and beyond, I've developed a simple and proven system that requires just five ingredients, no matter what niche you're in. And I want you to get your hands on this complete system absolutely free. When you register for my free workshop starting July 29th, The Rise of the Digital CEO, you'll get instant access to an eight-part training series revealing how today's top leaders and influencers are actually growing their audiences and selling their stuff, while most continue to struggle and never see the results they want. Simply visit businessbydesign.net to get started now.